0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: Well, good morning. Thank you for worshiping the Lord. Those, those uh, songs where you, uh, where you clap. Oh, so we had a fall over there. Uh-oh. Uh, the safety team. If the safety team's here, would you please come? Over here we had a fall, Randy. <clears throat> Nikki, I'm sorry. Lord God Almighty, <laughs> we ask for Nikki right now that you'd help her, that you'd bless her, that you'd give her strength and energy, that you'd uh, get her on her feet and help her to recover. Uh, we, we love Nikki, and we ask you to bless her right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, you're good? Two thumbs up? Now... <clears throat> Nikki, now that you've, uh, you've, we've, we've all known your name, if you want to preach today, you're welcome to come up and just, no, no, and, and her husband says, please no. <laughs> Whew, okay, well, um, yeah, we, uh, we're, we're here today and we, we're continuing our sermon series in Daniel and we're learning how to take refuge in the Lord, how to lean on the Lord Jesus, how to, how to stay faithful to God. Uh, The book of Daniel, we are in chapter 6 today, and the book of Daniel has a consistent message. Uh, But you think about who it was written to originally. It's important that we remember that it was written to people living in exile, people that were far from home, people that were living under other authorities and other powers, people that were living uh, not in Zion, Jerusalem, they, they, the, the Jewish people that, that this is being written to, they're, they're, they're not home all the way. Some of them might have returned, but their old customs, their old habits, their old traditions have been taken from them. But people are living far from God, in, in, in literally, geographically. And this, this book is calling them to live differently from, from the world. They're living in, in Babylon. They're living in Persia. They'd like to be back in Zion, and we come back here today, we come to worship today, we come to the book of Daniel today, and we look at our culture and our society, and we think about the way maybe our nation is going. We, uh, some of us remember perhaps when it was really easy to live a Christian life in the United States of America. Some of you who are older, perhaps, remember that there was a season, a time when it was, uh, the culture was helpful in following Jesus. The culture was helpful in walking with Jesus. The culture was helpful in obeying Jesus, being a people of God. We live today in a society, sometimes, where it doesn't feel like the culture is all that helpful or encouraging. We feel like sometimes we're We're in Babylon. And so the book of Daniel, written to a people in exile, a people that God isn't um, on the throne of the world as far as the world's governors and rulers and authorities are concerned, Daniel calls people to think about, how do I live in a place, in a setting where God isn't worshipped anymore? How do I live in a time, in a season, in a culture that would rather have me not follow Jesus. So please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 1. One of the most famous scriptures in the Old Testament. That's an amen? Yeah. Daniel, chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps and be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom but they could not Find, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said to him, "We said we, should, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God." Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, "O oh, King Darius, live forever." All the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance, enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. So, King Darius took control in 539 BC. We read last week about how the Babylonians were defeated by the Medes and the Persians, how King Darius received the kingdom, how he took control, and we have here this Explanation This teaching about how he started to organize his kingdom, how he started to organize his administration, how he started to organize his world. Uh, It's imaginary. uh, Imagine if we could put ourselves in his position a vast kingdom, a a vast number of peoples, different languages, different cultures, different settings, different times that they're living in, uh, and he's got to organize it and administrate it because. If he doesn't get it organized and administered right, he's going to get robbed blind. The satraps set over certain regions, we don't know how many, but over them there's three administrators. And the administrators are to help keep the satraps accountable. What happens if they're not held accountable? Well, whether it's a monarchy, whether it's a democracy, whether it's communism or socialism, unfortunately throughout world history when people get into power, when they get in authority, if they're not held accountable, They tend to go down the route of thievery and stealing and siphoning off funds from the government. Whatever you want to call that, whatever that looks like, it happens again and again around the world. And so Daniel, this story of Daniel in chapter 6, it starts off with this king who's come to power. And we know from Daniel, the book of Daniel, that God is in charge of all the kingdoms of the earth. God gives power to whoever, whoever he will. And so providential we know from studying the book of Daniel that Darius has been placed in this position by God's providence and by God's wisdom. And so we, we, we went back, remember, that when we read about King Nebuchadnezzar and the golden stat the statue of head of gold, arms and, and chest of silver, and it went from there. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom did come to an end, just as God predicted, just as Daniel said it would. And now Darius is coming on the throne and, and he's setting things up, but... Uh, Corruption is real, thievery is real, uh, evil is real, and in, this, in the midst of this, Daniel's name is mentioned. Daniel's is set up as one of the three administrators, and King, and King Darius looks at this man and he says, I'm going to raise him up to the highest level. He's going to be in charge of everybody. And, and we, we read this and we, we realize several things. We know from reading the book of Daniel thus far that God has blessed Daniel again and again and again. God has blessed him to learn the culture, learn the language, have wisdom beyond his days, understanding beyond his days. But we also read this, and we see that the king Darius, not a worshiper of the Lord, a polytheist, like these other kings, he sees a man of integrity. He sees that there's an excellent spirit in Daniel. He sees a man that's trustworthy and reliable. And he says, "This is my guy." This is my guy who 's going to watch out for the corruption he 's going to keep me from being bled by my officials and my politicians, and so he, he, he raises them up and isn 't it isn 't it sad isn 't it incredible that here 's a man we will learn later, a man praying for his world, praying for the nation, he served administrations before, he served Nebuchadnezzar, he served Belshazzar, he's about 80 years older there about now, he's been around the block, he's done everything. He's a righteous man, and the righteous man stands up, a godly man stands up, and as soon as he does, people are plotting and scheming for how to get rid of him, tragic, tragic, tragic world we live in, a difficult world. We, they want to get Daniel out of the way so that they can go back to their thieving ways. They can start siphoning off funds. They can start stealing again from the government. It's a, it's a, it's a tragic situation. Uh, Daniel, is, uh, Daniel is going about his life. He, he's, he's trusted in God. He knows, that, he knows that God has placed him in positions like this, by, by God's authority, by God's will, by God's direction. And so he's serving God to the best of his ability. But the officials, the satraps, the other administrators, they start plotting and scheming. Well, how can we get rid of this guy? And so in our modern parlance, he might, we might say, well, they hired private investigators to look at his life. He started taking a, a looking glass and looking close into his life. Man, how's his finances? What's his bank account like? What's his relationships like? Man, Is he committing adultery? Is he a liar? Is he a deceiver? Is, is he this or that? What's, what's Where can we find dirt on Daniel? Where can we find dirt on Daniel? And you know what? They, they look. We don't, we're, not, we don't, we're not told how long they look, but they find he's a clean man. He's a righteous man. He's a man that doesn't have any Wickedness and in the life that they can tell. See, they're looking for an angle to accuse him before the king. Like, if they can find something, well, you don't want him to serve because he's doing this wickedness, he's doing this evil, he's doing this thing in your kingdom, God, uh, King Darius. You need to get him out of there. They can't find nothing on him. May that be said about us and our vocations and in our family. May our kids look at us and may they be able to say can find nothing on dad, can find nothing on mom. They're righteous. A godly man, a godly woman, a godly grandfather, a godly grandmother. Men and women who are standing for something, who are faithful and true to what they believe. May our classmates, may our schoolmates, may our co-workers, may, may they look at us and they see men and women of righteousness. Men and women who are standing for God. Not perfect. Not perfect make mistakes, make mistakes, but are seeking what's true, seeking what's right, seeking what's holy, seeking what's godly. Daniel has arrived in that point in his life where he's, he's gotten into the habit of righteousness. You know, it, we look at this passage and, and we, you know, we, start, we start saying, well, what if somebody did start looking into my life? What if somebody did start looking into my life, what would they find? Now, uh, if you're like me, there was a the time in my life, as Paul was up here earlier saying there was a time in his life when he wasn't living for Christ, okay? And maybe there was a time in your life, maybe years ago when you weren't living for Christ, or maybe in the last few months you haven't been living for Christ. I, I think what, what this scripture, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting us about, where am I standing now? What am I pursuing today? How am I living today in the Spirit? How am I walking with God today? May I be, may you be a righteous woman today. May you live as a righteous man today before God. Uh, this This call think about the exiles that, that are reading this. the people that are in slavery and bondage they 've been taken from jerusalem they 've been taken from judah they 're living here everywhere yonder and, and they 're reading about this this man, this jew this this Jew that is is lifted up before them as kind of a hero and, and, and god 's word comes to them and, and, and is saying to them man. What kind of life are you living in a foreign land? What kind of life are you living in Babylon? What kind, Are you going along with the culture? Are you living like your neighbors do? Are you living like your, your children's friends do? Are you living a Babylonian life? Have you capitulated? Have you, have you come to a compromise in your life or you're just going along? You know God's way. You know the path of life. You know His righteous call. You know His commands. But have you given up? Have you stopped walking with Jesus? We understand, I understand, it's hard to live in Babylon. It's hard to live in a culture that says, go that way. It's hard to live in a culture that says, go that way. When Jesus says, go that way. Man, it's hard when the culture doesn't encourage us. When the law's in place, where, where, the, where the society in place, it doesn't encourage us to live righteous lives or holy lives. I understand. But Daniel is brought before us and we see this man where, where they examine him. I mean, I don't know how many weeks or months they looked at Daniel, but we're not going to find nothing on him. The only thing, the only angle we have, the only way to twist a knife, the only way to get to him is through the law of his God because we know he keeps the instruction of his God righteously. He keeps the word of his God religiously. Now, not in a negative religious sense, but he's true He's habitual. He's walking with Jesus. I mean, hopefully by the time I'm 80, if the God, I hope I don't live that long, but I might. Hopefully by the time I get to that, I'm in a habit. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a godly rut, not a sinful rut. Right? But here, here Daniel's lifted up as this man who they can't find any. So, so they decide, well, I guess that's our plan of attack. We've got to find something in his instruction of his God, the way he lives his life, that's contrary to the government's instruction, contrary to the government's law. Hmm. I know. Let's make up a new law. Let's craft the bill. And they probably didn't have a house and senate back then like we do, but they they brought the bill. They debated it. They they brought it to King Darius. Oh, king, you're the man. You know, King. Uh, nobody in the kingdom should worship anybody but you. And I, I don't know, King Darius. I don't know what his character was. I don't know what he's like. He's like, he's probably like, oh really? I'm flattered. Tell me why. <laughs> You're the man. For 30 days, King, we've got this bill that we know that you just brought this kingdom together. You got all these coalitions, all these factions, all this partisanship going on. You got these people over here speaking that language, and they want that politician. You got these people. Over we have an idea. You know, they're probably trying to think of every, every idea they can to make the king sign the law. Man, you're worried of a coup. You're worried of, of government uh, falling apart. we got an idea to bring everybody together. We want everybody for 30 days just to worship you. We, we're looking for one world prayer here. One world religion here for 30 days. Nobody can pray to anybody but you. Or if they, they can't petition anybody else. They can't go to any other man. In other words, they can't go to their local priest. And they can't ask for petition from that priest to their God. They have to pray to King Darius. Now, is it unenforceable? Yeah, but they don't care. That their, their heart isn't for their people. They're, they're, they're failed politicians. They're self-centered people. They're living for their own ends and their own means. They could care less about the country. They could care less about the nation. They could care less about the people. Their target is Daniel. They want to get him out of the way so they can go back to making money. He's an impediment to their greed, to their selfishness, to stealing from the government. A righteous man they found. Isn't Isn't it sad if that's the case in our country? Wouldn't that be sad if, if, if all of our politicians just lived for themselves? Wouldn't it be sad if, if, if our politicians just got rich serving in our government? Shouldn't we pray for godly people to be in our government? Shouldn't we support godly men and women who are in office, who love the Lord Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we be praying and asking and seeking for godly men and women, people who are truly following Jesus, not just talking about Jesus, not just talking about Christianity, but living God's standards held to His level of righteousness. Because in our democratic republic, whether... Some countries socialist, some countries communist. some countries have these different representative systems. Whatever the situation is, if you don't have righteous people in place, people in power tend to corrupt and they tend to go downhill quickly. We need to pray for godly men and women in our government. The officials, they go to the king and he says, after a while, okay, bring me the bill signs it in the law. And you've got to know that Daniel wasn't blind to all this. This, was, this wasn't behind the scenes. This wasn't hidden. I mean, he's one of the top three or four leaders of the nation in authority. And I, I don't know. It doesn't say he said anything. I, I, I wonder. I wonder if he knew right from the beginning it was against him and maybe he just sat back and said, well, we'll see how this plays out. He seems to be a man of peace, a man who doesn't worry about a whole lot of things, a man who's trusting in his God. What do you think happened to Daniel? What do you think Daniel did? Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. <clears throat> then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, Yeah, the thing stands fast. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, with the injunction you have signed, but makes the petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. He wasn't distressed about Daniel. He was distressed about his politicians. And set his mind to deliver Daniel. He couldn't believe he got duped by them. He couldn't believe he got tricked by them. But nevertheless, he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Oh, no, king, that, that it's the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. <sighs> then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May you, your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Do you notice that? The king, may your God, whom you serve continually, the king knows it. Everybody knows it. He serves God. He belongs to God and that's why he's in trouble. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lord's uh, that nothing be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night there fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. And so... Uh, <clears throat> Man, uh, Daniel knows the law. They've set up this law. They brought the bill. He signed it. Uh, Whoever prays to anybody but Darius is going to die, is going to be killed. And Daniel goes home that very day as it's announced. And what does he do? He prays to his God. He does not pray to Darius. He does not cease praying. He prays to his God. Now that's bold. That's strong. And because he's a, 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 a exile from Judah who's risen up, everybody knows where he lives. In those days, what we probably imagine in our minds is a flat-roofed house, not a pitched roof, no snow there, not, not a lot of rain, a flat-roofed house. And upon that, that flat roof, there's probably an apartment. They did a lot of kind of things on those, those roofs, like gardening or or, uh, you know, they'd dry their laundry up there or whatever. But he had this apartment, and, and apparently it opened towards Jerusalem, the windows. Now, <clears throat> we, we look at that, and, we, and, and, and he probably spoke out loud. I mean, they don't know what he's, if he's praying silently. You know, they don't know who he's praying to. I mean, they, they assume, but he's probably, he's probably I, I imagine Daniel deciding that this is going to be a stand now it's it's not a it's not a necessarily a political thing but it is a conscientious objection to the government's law i think he's up there in the apartment he gets down on his knees he prays to god out loud and he doesn't care who's listening he knows who's listening (laughs) he knows first of all that yahweh is listening that the lord sees his heart that he's serving god that god sees where he stands and yet he knows that his enemies, his opponents who are going to attack him are listening as well. And we're, we're like, we look at this and, pff, come on, Daniel. Why'd you have to go up on the roof? Couldn't you just pray in your house? Come on, Daniel, for 30 days. It's a 30-day decree. Can't you just be quiet for 30 days? I mean, your life's on the line. Daniel, why are you going there? Why are you doing this? Why are you pursuing this path? We don't know all the details you know, Daniel was under a spotlight. Maybe, maybe he was thinking, if I capitulate here, if I, if I give up here, I've been witnessing to these people, you know, in Babylon. I've lived here since I was 15. If they see me wilt now, if they see me give up now, if they see me waffle now, if they see me waver now, will they think that my God isn't powerful? If I stop witnessing for my Lord now, if I give up, and I, if I go along with the way the culture wants me to go, have I lost my witness? I mean, I, I'm putting words in his mouth, but there's a reason why he, he's praying out loud there. Now, now we step back from this, and just just so you know, um, Daniel's style, it, it, it's his style. Sometimes we read passages like this about prayer, and we, we might fall into a legalistic mode. Oh, I have to pray three times a day. I have to pray on my knees. I have to pray with my eyes open or whatever. This is a description. It's not a prescription, Okay. So we don't want to get in a legalistic mode and think about some of these passages like you have to do it this way, this way. This is Daniel's stance in his time, in his day. And he's saying, this is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to act. This is how I'm going to behave. <clears throat> and again, step back and think about who's reading this. People that are in poverty and bondage, people that are being hated and spit upon, people who have become the, the, the lowest caste in their society, the Jewish people. God, is, God in, his, in, his, in His providence is blessing them, but they, in their places, they're seeing this man who makes a stand. You see, where they're, where they're living as a minority, where they're living as nobodies, the culture is saying, man, don't you worship that God anymore. Our gods are better. Don't you live that way anymore. Our idols are better. Our culture is better. Our society is better. Our way is better. Stop living as Jewish men and women. Start living as Babylonians. Start living as Persians. Start living as Medes. Start living as Greeks. Don't follow God. Start living as Americans. Possibly. Now again, um, we look at this this uh, this setting in this situation in the exiles are uh, reading about a man who's willing to follow God no matter what. And we read about a law being passed that says, follow God at your own peril. And we step back and we look at our society, which is undergoing great transformation. We, we have a great country, a great country worth serving, f- and ser- worth dying for. We have a great country that, that has been a beacon, as it were, a light on a hill for a long time in terms of standing for, for God. Now, never perfect, never had it all together. We've never been a Christian nation totally. We, sometimes we've, we've posed and we've pretended and we've acted like we're Christians when we lived unrighteously. But man, at, th- at this point in our culture, our culture is changing incredibly fast. And this culture right now does not want us to follow Jesus this society, this culture right now, wants us to go a different way, wants us to live by its idols, its gods, its principles, its values, and the scriptures are getting tossed out the door. And, and it raises a dilemma and it raises some questions for us. You know, uh, Christianity today is looked upon as offensive, it looks we're looked upon as troublemakers. We're look at, looked upon as people who are intolerant. We're looked upon as people as people who don't deserve the same rights, even in some places. Uh, we we are uh, we start thinking that song we sang it was a great song about the doctrines we believe in we believe in the virgin birth we believe in the resurrection we believe in life eternal uh, some of our doctrines are offensive today in the culture we believe a god in one true god okay we believe in one true god you know how offensive that is in a pluralistic society like ours we believe in one true god. And yet, in our society, uh, the the world says, no, that's, what, there's only one God? No, you're saying all these other religions are false. All these other gods aren't true. And yes, that's what we're saying. We can can appreciate some other religions. We can appreciate some of their values and some of their standards. But no, they're worshiping false false gods. That's offensive in our culture. And don't you think that sooner or later, some in our culture, I mean, we've got great religious freedoms. Thank God for the constitution we have. Right? But don't you think at some point that some politicians are going to say, man, that's offensive. Let's, let's write a bill that says that anybody that says there's one true God should be fined or put in jail. Or, or, or you know, we, we, we start running down that road a little bit. We start looking at our, 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 our doctrine, you know, the, the teachings of the scriptures. Uh, one true God. We, we believe that, that the, the heavens and the earth have been made by God. Okay? We believe that the heavens and earth have been made by God. And oh, that's so anti science. That's so wrong. That's so evil. I mean, to to put that fantasy in front of people, man, that, our our culture is heading down that road. Like, our culture has become more spiritual in some ways, but in other ways, it's like certain things are offensive. And that idea that there's a God who made the heavens and earth instead of it evolving, there's a conflict, a crash coming. a a mashing up there that's going to happen or or, our our belief that uh, we are all sinners okay there's a movement in our culture right now today that that says that all people are racists okay that you can't escape racism in our culture you can't escape the racist teachings in our culture etc etc I I don't know if that's true you know Um, but I, I believe we're all sinners I believe that we all have proven that we choose selfishness over God many times. I believe that we've chosen our way instead of other people's blessing and benefit at times. But the idea that's so offensive to our culture right now, you've sinned against God. And even worse, you've sinned against God and God is a judge who's going to judge you for your sin. The world hates that. The world has always hated that, okay? It's going to keep hating that. And when we say this, you know, one of the core doctrines of our faith, the sound doctrine of 1 and 2 Timothy, right, that Jesus Christ is the only way you can be saved. He's the only Savior. He's the only Rescuer. He's the only Redeemer. That drives the world nuts, Because as uh, Brother Paul said when he was up here, you you can't buy salvation in many of the religions of the world today. say you can buy salvation. You can buy rescue through your good works, through coming to church or tithing or whatever. You can buy it. And the, the biblical gospel says you can't be saved by your works. You can't buy it. You can't be rescued by how good you are. You need Jesus to save you. You need the Redeemer to redeem you. You're lost without hope, without trust in Jesus Christ. Ah, don't you think that the world sooner or later as we continue down this path of cultural change, of pluralism, of uh, 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 the God of tolerance becoming the God that we worship, don't you think sooner or later that somebody's going to start writing bills that say you cannot evangelize anymore? What? It's already happened? states in our country have already started going down that route you can't proselytize anybody you can't try to convert anybody you can't tell them that Jesus is the way to be saved you can't tell you can't tell people that Jesus will redeem you and rescue you from sexual immorality you can't tell people that and so you see you see how this this old text suddenly becomes relevant in many ways And it suddenly calls us who perhaps don't realize that we're living in exile. It calls us to perhaps realize those of us who think we're living in Zion but we're living in Babylon. It calls us to understand and realize and open our eyes that we better decide whether or not we're going to be faithful to God or not. Before a wave comes our way of legislation that says your Christian truths, your Christian beliefs are no longer valid. We better decide if we're going with Jesus or not. Better decide where we're going to stand. And so Daniel, to exiles everywhere, becomes this hero who says, you can take my life, I'm going with God. You can take my life, I'm going with my Lord who saved me. Now, I'm no prophet and some of you might be more uh, attuned in the area of politics or in in where our culture is going and I hope I'm wrong about some of these things. You know, hopefully the pendulum has swung this way and... and, uh, Anti Christianity and anti Christian bashing has reached this point. Maybe it's going to swing back. Praise God. Maybe there's going to be a revival in our land. Maybe we're going to see tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and millions of people turn to Jesus Christ. Maybe we're going to see a, a backslidden church, a church that's, that's not excited, not passionate anymore, a church that doesn't share their faith anymore. We're going to, maybe we're going to see a turn. Maybe we're going to see a transition, and people get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful? People seeking the Lord and walking in the Spirit every day and trusting in their Lord. But if not, have you decided that you're going with Jesus? Have you decided you're going to be a faithful man and a faithful woman, a faithful servant of the Most High King? Or are you going to drift into cultural doldrums drift into cultural dead ends and wake up one day and realize it's been a long time since you followed Jesus? And will will you wake up one morning and realize that you no longer serve God, that you left Him a long time ago and that the capitulation that you're called to has been easy and not stressful at all? So Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Uh, They put a cover over it. It's kind of like a tomb. You're seeing some themes here. They put a cover over it. The the king uh, uh, puts his his ring in the the wet clay. It's, It's kind of reminiscent of a story we have in the New Testament of somebody being laid in a tomb. And the morning comes, and the king is running towards the tomb. Remember, in, in the Gospels, is the women are running toward the tomb of Jesus. Peter and, and John are running towards the tomb. It's early. They want to get there early. Well, King Darius, what, is, what, what happens with him? And, and what happens at this tomb of death? Verse 19, Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions he came near the den where Daniel was and he cried out in a tone of, a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, that's been repeated. And again, the exiles are hearing this and the exiles are saying, do I serve God continually? Am I like Daniel? Do I serve God continually? Oh, Daniel, who serves God continually. Hmm. As... Uh, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. So he's saying, I've been vindicated. By my, my enemies accuse me. My, my, I've been vindicated. God has saved me. You know the truth now. I wasn't against you, O king, and I wasn't unfaithful to my God. In verse 23, Then the king was exceedingly glad, commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because, and again the exiles are listening and the readers are listening and maybe you should listen in too, because he trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Now that last part's a brutal truth, but that was the Persian law. It was a way for for the the Medes and Persians to keep a Hatfield, McCoy kind of thing from happening. Okay? They figured if someone was going to take vengeance, it would start this endless cycle of, of violence. And so the Persians said, just kill them all. So we won't have this cycle of revenge anymore. But we see in this, this view, like through church history, well, the, the lions were old, the lions were fat, they, they didn't chew up Daniel because they weren't hungry. And so the, the author puts that in there to, to tell us, yeah, the, the lions were hungry. And it was a miracle that Daniel lived It was a miracle that Daniel lived. So we see here that God delivered Daniel. God delivered Daniel who was faithful to him. Notice how how the the text has been put together in verse 22. uh, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. The reason, the rationale that Daniel believes he was saved from the lions because I was found blameless before him. God saved me and delivered me because I was faithful to him. And then in 23, the, the narrator, the author, he says, so Daniel, uh, so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm was found, of harm was found in him, because he trusted in his God. Now, the, this is preaching, this is preaching to the exiles, this is preaching to people who might be tempted to give in. Who might be tempted to say, well... God will understand if I, if I start lying at work because all of my coworkers do it. God will understand it if I, I, I have this affair because I'm just so tempted and I need this, this relationship and I need this love. God will understand. People who are, are tempted to give in, they need to read things like this and realize that God is watching and God delivers the saints. God holds on to those who hold on to Him. God holds on to those and delivers those who trust Him. God holds on to those who are faithful to Him. But you say, hold on, pastor. Didn't Daniel get thrown into the lion's den? Wasn't he faithful? And didn't he end up thrown into that pit of lions? He did. God's word has never promised us that if we're faithful, that harm won't come to us. God's word has never promised us that if we're good church-going Christians that no evil will come knocking on a door. We see again and again and again in the scriptures that righteous women and righteous men who are living for God, harm comes their way. Trouble comes their way. Evil comes their way. We remember our Lord Jesus who is sinless, who did nothing wrong, and His culture crucified Him. We remember the apostles of our church, the saints of old, how they walked with God and yet some of them were sawn in two. Some of them were executed. Even today in the world today, how many hundreds of martyrs have there been in 2021 around the world who have walked with God and yet found wrath and anger and hurt in the world? God doesn't always keep us from harm. Sometimes if you stand for God, you will end up in the lion's den. Sometimes if you go to work and you stand up for God and you say that God's way is right, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, for instance. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to perjure anybody. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Sometimes you get fired for that. Sometimes we suffer for following God. And the way that that I I look at it, the way I understand the Scriptures teaching us, is, is that sometimes God allows us to go into the fire, allows us to be taken over by the flood, but He never leaves us in that. And that our God comes to us in the fire and in the flood, and our God delivers us in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. Our God knows we live in this world that's fallen and opposed to what He wants and what He desires. We know we live in a fallen world. We know if we take certain actions of righteousness, if we choose to obey God, we know that there could be consequences just like this. But what the Scriptures preaching to those exiles and what the Scripture is preaching to you That God delivered Daniel and God can deliver you. God can deliver you out of the fire. God can deliver you out of the flood. God can deliver you out of the lion's den even. Hopeless situations that the world puts upon you because of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ, because of your righteousness, because of your integrity, because you choose to tell the truth at work, because you choose to live holy lives, God can deliver you. And I promise you, brothers and sisters, sooner or later, you will be delivered. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come. God rescues and God saves those who are fully committed to Him. Now again, as what was taught earlier, what was taught by Brother Paul and what we heard in the lyrics, we don't buy salvation We don't earn it. We don't achieve it. It's a gift of God's grace. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. But faithfulness is rewarded. God sees faithfulness and he comes through. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to the people, the nations, the languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear for the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now we, we look at this and we say, I don't want to be thrown in the lion's den. We look, at, we look at chapter 3. I don't want to be thrown in the fiery furnace. Right? But look what God does through your faithfulness. He might allow you to go through a series of, a season of suffering or trial or tribulation because you follow Him. But you can't see around the corner, you can't see the future, how God uses it for His glory. Because Darius saw a miracle happen, he was then writing to the nation, his whole empire, and said, give God the glory. Fear this God. I saw His miracle. I saw His hand. I saw how He works. Don't you think in your life, as you stand faithful before your children and before your grandchildren, before your great-grandchildren, that they will say, Papa was a godly man. My grandma was a godly woman. My uncle was a godly man. My aunt was a godly woman. Don't you think that there could be some things that God's working in the midst of that? They suffered. They went down the wrong path. they, They got hurt because they followed Jesus. But don't you think that God can use your witness for generational impact? God can do great things through faithful people. God does mighty things. He pulls people out of the mouths of lions and other people get to hear the name of Jesus because of that person's faithfulness and staying with Jesus through thick and thin. You notice how the chapter ends and you're all saying, praise God the chapter's ending. (laughs) So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now think about how the exiles are hearing that. All kinds of commercials that we're watching on TV this is the good life we watch commercial after commercial we hear movie after movie this is the good life man if you just have this car you have this this hair product you, just, you know, use this mouthwash everything's gonna be great in your life the way to life right and so the exiles who are suffering, the exiles who are far from home, they see a man who is faithful for, for, for God. They see a man who is true to God. And they read about a man who is taken from death to life. It's almost a resurrection story. Because he was faithful to his God, God prospered him. The Bible preaches the shalom of God, the peace, the righteousness of God comes upon those who walk with their God, who stay faithful and true. This message, this preaching to the exiles, this message, the preaching to you even today. Stay with your God. Walk with your God. Stay faithful to your God. That's the way to life. Your culture is preaching this path to you right now. Live selfishly. Live self-centeredly. This culture is saying, man, take this road. Take this road. This is the way to live. And God's word says, "Stay, stay faithful to me. And I will show you prosperity. Not a prosperity gospel like you see on the Big Hair Channel, but a real prosperity of life, of righteousness, of holiness, of blessing from God. I don't know how to sum this up. Be faithful to your God and see what happens. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence? Lord God, you know every person in this room. You see inside and out. There's not a word that comes on their tongue without you knowing it first. You see our comings and goings. You are behind and before us. Lord God Almighty, you know our days. You know our past. You know our circumstances, our, our foibles and our follies, our, our consequences and our, 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 our life. But Lord God Almighty, I pray that you would convince every person in this room that faithfulness to you, that being true to you, that walking with you and obeying you is the way to life. Lord God, you know where they're tempted to sin. You know every person in this room where they're tempted to give in, tempted to go with the culture, tempted to live in fallen ways, tempted to give in to the idols of their neighbors and their friends. Lord God, power them and strengthen them. Holy Spirit, fill them with your spirit that they may be true to you, that they be able to discern right from wrong, discern worldly paths and broken paths discern what the right path is and walk in it Lord God give us the grace to be your church to stand as that light on the hill that may we be a light in the world today as darkness is overtaking the land may we be willing to stand boldly and strongly in the name of Jesus Christ and obey our Lord Jesus Christ even if it costs us everything Because as we heard the testimony from from Elder Paul earlier today, that when he left everything behind, he realized (laughs) that it wasn't all that important anyway. That you are worth it. You're the prize. The kingdom of God. May we live for that and for you. And may we see your faithfulness come out in our days. And if we don't make it, Lord, may our children and our grandchildren, may they see our faithfulness and may they walk in our path. And enjoy the shalom of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Bless us, Lord, to be your church and your people. And we go out of here asking for the ability to worship and witness for you wherever we go. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless everybody. Go in the peace and the power of your God.
0: Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.